0: Father, we thank you you're a good God. We thank you you are just wonderful. You're a God of favor, a God of blessing. That you never fail. Lord, that we can put our trust and our hope in you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We pray more of you in this place. More of you, Holy Spirit. Bring change. Bring healing. Bring forgiveness. Bring your love. Bring your peace. Yeah, be glorified, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, God talked about God being good. There's a song by a guy called Don Moen. It says, God's good all the time. And all the time, God's good.
1: But I guess um, what surprised me a little bit was the response of some people in in hearing that and And it's like you say to people, God is good, and they go, yeah. But then at the end of the sermon, it was like, wow, you know what? Oh, it's good. It's like it it dropped a few inches from being somewhere up here to in here. And it sort of comes from this whole misunderstanding of who God is. But the misunderstanding is sort of people go, well, in the Old Testament, you know, God did this and God did that. Well, that's actually not a right understanding of God either. Because, you see, the God of the Old Testament is still good. He's not horrible and mean and full of all these rules. He's actually good. Because the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And those words were true yesterday, which means he was the same the day before yesterday. If you want to keep going back, it works all the way since time began. So he's always been good. And what I really, as I was praying and and really just seeking God and and reading Romans and going,
0: oh, so much material, how do I preach this in half an hour? As I came down with seven sermons in five minutes, all of them about two hours long. Comfortable? (laughs) As long as the drinks So We're not looking for a church building, we're just looking for a pub. We'll bring the drinks. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, yep. They did. What's it called? The shed. Place for drinking. Where were we? That's good. <laughs> so what I thought we would try and do
1: is is understand. I want us to understand
0: covenants tonight, which is a really seriously heavy subject to preach when this atmosphere is in the room. (laughs) I don't know how far we'll go, but we'll keep pushing on. Because
1: if you understand covenants, you understand your relationship with God. And if you understand your relationship with God, you understand who God is. And when you understand who God is and what our relationship with with Him is and what our covenant with Him is, it will create breakthrough in your life and you realize that God is good all the time. And that there is actually nothing you can do to separate yourself from Him and His love. So it doesn't matter. If you walked out the door right now, met the first person you saw and punched them in the face and they fell down dead. God still loves you.
0: I'm not recommending it.
1: But God would still love you and he would still forgive you. And it would be as if you had not done anything.
0: That would never like a lead balloon.
1: You need, we need to understand covenant. So let's work out what covenant is. It really is easy to do when your head's clear. (laughs) I've had this all afternoon. I'm sitting in my room, going through the sermon, while they're doing worship practice in the lounge, and they did like four songs, you know, two minutes,
0: two minutes, two minutes. Drinking song,
1: one hour.
0: (laughs) And I walked out said to Dale, as though I needed more after sitting in the presence of God to walk in and have that tonight. So you not do it tonight I said, yeah we are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a covenant we can do this
1: is an agreement between two parties. Can I turn that off? It's an agreement between two parties. So if I said to you I'm gonna buy your car in a week's time for X amount of dollars and we signed a bit of paper that said that, that would be a covenant. It is legally binding, if I come to you and I give you X amount of dollars, you are legally bound to give me your car. Or you are legally entitled to come and see me and say, where is X amount of dollars because you have promised to buy my car. And there'd be a clause in there that if I did not do that, then I would have to compensate you in some way. Or if you didn't give me the car, you would have to compensate me in some way. That's a covenant agreement. right? It's an agreement between two parties. And this is what God brought about. He got his people. In fact, it starts way back with Adam. But probably the most notable one is actually the one he has with Abraham. God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, if I will be your God and you'll be my people, I'm going to bless you abundantly. That's all there was to it. What a great covenant. All Abraham had to say was, yep, you're my God. And he was blessed abundantly. And he was, wasn't he? I mean, this is the guy that takes on four whole kingdoms with his private army and wipes them out and then takes the spoils and gives them to somebody else because I don't want you to say that you know, you've made me rich. That's how wealthy he is. And do you know what the New Testament tells us? tells us in Hebrews, tells us in Romans. It says that we are the seed or the heirs of Abraham. So it says that the blessing that was given to Abraham... The covenant agreement that God had with Abraham is your covenant agreement. So it's a bit like if I made an agreement with some billionaire, and he said, if
0: you will change your name to Bob, then I will always pay you a million dollars every week, both to you and all your descendants forever, as long as they change their name to Bob. So when I died... If one of my children goes, I'm now going to be called Bob, and let's go with Ben because it probably works a bit better,
1: (laughs) then that agreement would still stand. And that person would have to pay him a million dollars every week because he changed his name to Bob. And if in 400 years, someone was, one of my descendants was changing their name to Bob, the descendants of this other person would still have to pay them that amount of money. Wouldn't be
0: worth much then, but you know.
1: Do you get how it works? It's the same with the covenant that God made with Abraham. That as the seed of Abraham, we have the same covenant. The only condition is what? That he be our God. That's all there was to it. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. And we'll come back to Romans. Can I turn this heater on behind me?
0: Because it's a bit cold.
1: Alright. Deuteronomy 28... Is my Statue of Liberty impersonation?
0: Okay. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> it's because she's French. <laughs> now,
1: Deuteronomy twenty-eight. This is a covenant agreement. Okay. It says, "Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments I command you today, the Lord your God will." So, there's two parts to this agreement. It says, if you will do this, then God will do that. That's a covenant agreement. All right? This is if you will observe carefully all his commandments, do everything he says, he'll bless you above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you, not just come upon you, but they'll actually overtake you. All right? So, they're going to be coming so fast, you can't keep up with the blessings. But see, most of the church doesn't understand covenants. And they have this God is not good mentality. They may say God is good, but they don't live like God is good. They don't act like God is good. But it says, if you obey what he says, all these things will overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. It doesn't matter where you go, you'll be blessed. All right? The fruit of your bodies and your children will be blessed. The produce of the ground, the work that you do, increase of your herds, increase of your cattle, offspring, your flocks. In other words, all the things that you do will be blessed. Blessed will be your basket and your kneading bowl pantry, your fridge, your freezer, and all its contents are blessed. Blessed when you come in, and blessed when you come out. Let, let's understand for a minute the word blessed. You know, we look at the word blessed, and it's like someone sneezes, but i bless you. And it has no meaning attached to it. It's like a recognition that you sneezed, and we're getting over that awkward moment of you sneezing. But the blessing, what does blessed mean? You know what blessing means? Happy, fortunate, to be envied. That's what the word blessed means. It means that this is going to go your way. The winner it says, like, the fruit of your womb are blessed, it says that your children are happy and fortunate and to be envied. Now let's put that into context. Do you envy somebody who lives in a cardboard box? Do you get jealous of somebody who drives the car that's falling apart?
0: <laughs> that's in 200 b
1: <laughs> see I mean you've got to think about that I mean this is where we get religious as Christians and we go oh but God doesn't mean that he just means spiritual blessings this is what I mean I'm, I'm seven servants in one and I'm trying to put them into one little line so we can get this because this is massive there's so many bits to this that that we have just growing up wrong because the world says it's wrong and the church has picked up what the world says and says it's wrong and we've done the work of satan in being wrong but we got to change our thinking because you see the bible says that what is bound on earth is bound in heaven what is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven if it's a spiritual blessing it has to have a natural result if you don't believe me look at salvation you can't get saved without your life changing But salvation is a spiritual blessing, isn't it? You know, if I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now, there may be nothing different about me. You can look at me and go, you just said some words, but you look the same. But then over time, my life starts to change. I develop a conscience that I can't go and smack people in the face. Heading to the pub and getting totally sloshed is not a good idea. If I want to get drunk, I've got to go to church. (coughs) my life starts to change. A spiritual blessing has a physical outworking. Right? It isn't always instant, but it happens. It'll happen every time if you let it. Right? And God has blessed you with how many spiritual blessings? It says every, all. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. So let's go through some of the spiritual blessings. Things like he paves the streets with gold. Technically, if you take that spiritual blessing, you can pave your driveway with gold. Probably not a good idea. You might be repaving a lot. (laughs) But that is potential. I mean, we
0: think, oh, but, you know,
1: and our religiosity rises up and our tradition of church rises up because somewhere in there, we lost the fact that we are blessed so he goes on says he will your enemies will come against you one way but you're so blessed they're going to flee seven ways you'll command the blessing on your storehouse and everything you set your hand you can invest and it will be blessed oh but you don't know the stock market no but I know my Jesus you got to speak the blessing to be envied does anyone envy someone who invests and lose everything of oh, course not. So if you're going to be envied by others because of the blessing of the Lord on your life, what's going to happen to when you invest? You're going to prosper. Which then takes you to 1 John, where John, who's the one who led back on the, the chest of Jesus, who was intimate with him, who knew him well, he rushed the church and he says, Beloved, I wish above all things... One thing is that he wishes. It's not that you live in a cardboard box. It's not that you be a poor, poor person. He says, beloved, I wish above everything else that you prosper and be in good health. That's his prayer for the church. Not that you may know him spiritually. Not
0: that, you know, you may have nice meetings together.
1: But that you may prosper. Because you see, you can't prosper unless you're in relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't be in relationship with Jesus Christ and open to everything he has for you, and there's a key, without prospering. That's why Romans says, a bit further on in chapter 12, we haven't got there yet, he says you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, when you receive salvation, it starts to transform you because you start to spend time with God and you start to think like God. It starts to change how you act. But the problem is we stop listening to God on some things and we start listening to some people who are very religious. It's time to stop listening to the miserable religious and the church traditions that come out of an age where things did get messed up. And so they went, we don't want to get caught up in the messed up. So rather than being a moderate response and going, well, that's a bit excess. Let's work on what's going to lead us to God. They went, let's go totally the other way. That's a bit like saying, these people are eating too much cheese, so we're never going to eat cheese again. These people have too much dairy, so we're never going to have dairy again. They wonder why you have osteoporosis,
0: whatever that thing's called.
1: You know? Oh, we're all suffering with our bristle bones. We'll eat some cheese. Oh, no, we can't. They're eating too much cheese over there. <laughs> Why do we do that? We think someone's getting too excessive and so we run the other way and we miss out on the blessing of God. Just because somebody takes God's word and does it wrong doesn't make God's word wrong. All huh? right? This isn't even my sermon he says he'll establish you as a holy people. The earth shall see you are called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. Anyway, walk to the work, I'm a Christian. We're not afraid of you, you're just a wacko. Now it says they'll be afraid of you. You know why they're going to be afraid of you? Because when you are blessed and to be envied, God gives you power. It actually says he gives you power to get wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, go back 20 chapters. It says the Lord gives you power. About verse 17 to get wealth. And don't give me a spiritual translation of that word wealth. It's talking about the bucks. The Lord gives you power to get wealth, but it's on the same condition that you walk according to his ways. And this goes on and on Nine, on. It talks about in blessing that you'll lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. See, This is practical stuff. That means you won't be in debt because you're so wealthy you'll be able to give it away to others. You take that verse down there, verse 12, and throw it at your debt. Dad, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. The Lord says that I will lend to many nations, but I shall not borrow, so you're cancelled. You know, we have this thinking, if I'm going to buy a house, I've got to go and see the bank. No, you don't. You want to buy a house? You go and talk to your dad. You go and talk to your dad. You're fighting against debt? Go and talk to your dad. He will open his good treasure of the heavens and give you rain in season and bless all the work of your hand. In other words, the work of your hand will be envied. What you do at work will be envied because it's so successful. Ooh. He said, you'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, if you heed the commands of the Lord and don't turn aside. And then he goes on, he talks about a whole lot of curses. And I'm going to read through the curses because they're too long and depressing. But the curses go something like this. Now, this is curses, all right? It starts with curses. If you don't believe me, you can read it when you get home. But this is where we've got messed up and we keep calling curses Blessings. I want us to get clear on what is a curse and what is a blessing and then I'll teach you how to deal with a curse. Alright? Curse is negative. Alright? If I curse you, it's not usually a good thing. Ever. Alright? If I bless you, that's a good thing. We got that? We need to be really clear on this because this is really important. That's basic, but this is important. Alright, the curses have things like you will owe so much money that you can't afford to pay, that you will go bankrupt and be sold into slavery. That says to me that owing money sounds like a curse but you can't afford to pay, right? It says things like you'll be afflicted with every sickness and disease and you won't be able to get over it, right? Sickness is under the curses. It's not a blessing, right? It says things like, you'll go to work and you'll fail miserably at whatever you try. You'll be the joke of your workplace. That's a curse. It's not a blessing. It says your enemies will come and they'll gloat over you. They won't come at you one way. They'll come at you seven ways. And they ain't going to leave. That's a curse. These things are curses. They're listed under the curses. And it says at the top of the curses, In verse 15, but it will come to pass if you do not obey the voice of God. Then these things come. You see, as a church, not this church, but as a body, the church has sort of gone, well, God sends these things to make us stronger. I'm sorry, but right back in Deuteronomy, he wasn't even doing it to make them stronger. In fact, it says if these things happen to you, you'll get weaker. Oh, but it turned them back to God. Actually, no, it didn't. It was God's mercy that turned them back to Him. You keep reading. You read the details. It wasn't the poverty and the sickness and being dragged off to another country and losing everything they had that turned them back to God. It was actually God's mercy poured out upon them that turned them back to Him. It made them probably a little more open to Him doing that. But let's not spiritualize what is a blessing and what is a curse. Because God's been really clear about it. Now, what happens when you commit a sin? Because under that system it says, if you obey everything I've said, you get the blessings. If you don't obey everything I've said, the cursing. So what happens? Because I reckon that somebody in this room sinned sometime this week.
0: Okay, it was me, I admit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: so if you sin does that mean that you're out of the blessing and into the cursing because this is how we think isn't it we think we're not good enough for the blessings of God because we know our failings and just in case we forget them Satan will gladly come along next time we sit down to pray and remind us yes and I ain't talking to myself here and so we think I'm not good enough so therefore, I'm in the cursings line, not the blessings. And I want to get over there and so I repent and I repent and, and have I repented enough? And has it been enough time since I did the sin between now that I can move into the blessing? Oh no, I messed up again. <laughs> now I've got to wait another two days for that. That's a two day sin, you know. And so i oh sorry God, oh, my whole prayer. Oh sorry God, and, you know. And, and oh, I did it again. And we never get over the line into the blessings. And we never think we're good enough to be over there. Because the covenant says. Doesn't it? Let me tell you something about the curses.
0: Galatians chapter 3. Verse 10. All right.
1: Now this is talking about those curses and those blessings. Alright? Because we're all stuffed up.
0: Therefore, we're in the cursing column, right? We feel like we are anyway. We think like
1: we are, and we act like we are, yeah? Deep down inside, we know that can't be right, but we're thinking, and we're acting, and we're doing like we are, right? All right. It's time to stop doing that. Because it says, for as many as are the works of the law are written the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So therefore, when you sin, cursed." You broke the covenant, it's over. Right? You broke the agreement. The agreement was, do everything God says, blessings come upon you. You broke it, didn't you? Come on, fess up. I know, I know, I know you did. We all have. Therefore, the curse is ours. But the one is justified by the law and the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Oh, hold on. Anyone here live by faith? Anyone accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Did it take faith to do that? Cool, you're living by faith. Right? So you must be just. So how can you be cursed and just? Because just means you're right. Just means that you are justified, as in just as if I'd never sinned. So if you're living by faith, you're living without sin. So how are you living in the curse? What happened to it? Let me show you. I'm glad you asked that question. Yet the law is not of faith, but that man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us. It's a past tense. From the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Deuteronomy 28. What was in that list? Sickness, poverty, debt, desperation, hopelessness. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of sickness. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of poverty. Christ has redeemed you From the curse of lack, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of sin. It doesn't matter what's on that list. Go home and read it; it's depressing. But you can sit there and go, "Christ, redeem me from that," because it is written in the covenants. It's written in the agreements. Cursed is everybody who hangs on a tree, right? So Jesus hung on the cross. The cross is a tree. It's two bits of wood. Wood comes from trees. Right? So it says it's cursed if you hang on a tree. And Jesus, when he was up there, he says he redeemed us because he took the curse and he nailed it to the tree. So that agreement there, that whole curse list, as far as you are concerned, because Jesus is your Lord and Savior, they've taken it and he went and it's on the cross it's not yours anymore he took it out of your agreement there is no cursing in your agreement your covenant is different to everybody else out there right? let me leave you a little secret yeah we have the Old Testament and New Testament what another word for testament is that's actually more accurate covenant
0: see you have the old covenant which says mess up you get the curse
1: we got a new covenant that says no curses he rewrote the old agreement he rewrote it he said you've messed up on the agreement so I'll tell you what let's rewrite it let's just rip out all that cursing bit it's done with let's just keep the good stuff that's what he did so you got this new agreement and it says things like, now I've lost my page.
0: I nearly ripped my Bible doing that.
1: It's the first Bible I've had that. It hasn't ripped with kids. Sorry, I was not picking up my covenant. It says, it says, it says, next verse, next verse. That the blessings, what's blessings? The good stuff, to be envied. So whatever you do, people wish they were you doing it. That the wish they were you doing it of Abraham might come upon you. How cool is that? So the blessings of Abraham, what was the blessing of Abraham? He said to Abraham, as far as you can see, it's your land. Go find yourself a hill. God, God gave me that promise before I even knew about blessings. And I was at Bible college as I point out by last year. But I knew nothing to teach me anything about covenants. But I was sitting in Bibra Lake, at the top of the hill in Bibra Lake. And I could see for miles. And I'm just sitting out in my backyard. I wasn't even praying. <sighs> I was just sitting. It was like a wintry day. It was about October. It was a bit cold. And I was sitting out in the sun because it was nice out there. And, and we, had, we were sort of almost at the top of the hill and had this nice sort of tiered backyard. And I'm sitting up there on the ledge. And I'm looking out over the area. And God says to me, He spoke in my spirit right there. And he says, everything you can see is yours. That's an Abraham promise. And the blessings of Abraham, that was in 1995. By the way, when the drinking song was written. <laughs> in 1995. And you know what I've discovered? When God speaks a blessing, you've got to act on the blessing. You've got to get up and do something. You can't sit back and go, oh, it's just going to come into me. No, no. You've got to act like the blessing is true. So we thought we'd start a church
0: so we could take the land.
1: Yeah? Because this land belongs to God. So when we pray into it, we're just taking what's already ours. This is Jesus' land. This is Jesus' land. God owns this land. And we're blessed in it. We prosper where God has put us.
0: But an interesting thought this week. Since I'm off my notes, let's just go with the thought. A guy was talking about, um talking about church planning. funny enough.
1: Um, but he was talking about spiritual warfare. And he says, you know, in Joshua chapter 1, we read about Joshua. He says, be bold, be strong, go forward, it's all yours, go and take it.
0: Paraphrased version, right?
1: And it's like, yep, cool. But he says, what's really interesting is, he had to take out 31 kings to enact that. He had to go and fight 31 evil little snotty kings to take the land. It was his at Joshua 1, but it took him another 31 kings before he got them. This is the thing about the thing. First of all, you are going to get your head right. And that's what God does with Joshua. Get your head right. The land's yours. Be bold. Be strong. Be full of courage. Go and take it. Got his head right, crossed over, took the land. God says the same thing to you. Get your head right. Understand the covenant agreement that is written in the blood of Jesus. You are not a poor loser. You are not a sinner. Even if you sin, you are still not a sinner. You are a holy, righteous dude. And I'd love to turn to Romans and show you my passage, which I underlined beautifully in my other Bible I don't have, and then is in my notes I just ripped up. (laughs) There we go. There's a reference. What's that one?
0: No, wrong one. One of those spur-of-the-moment illustrations. I'm now paying for. (laughs) Ah, there we go. All right. Yep, they're cool. Yeah, it's cool. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 8, shall we? Just have another drink, all
1: right? While we sort ourselves out. So have we got it that we've got a new covenant? Have we got it that we're blessed? Is, Is it sinking in? All right? It doesn't matter what sin you committed before you walked in here. You are not a sinner. It doesn't matter what sin you commit when you walk out of here. You are still not a sinner if Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you choose to walk with him. doesn't mean we go and sin all the time. Romans says further on. No, that's not the point of the story. The point is in chapter 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But God knew we would stuff up. How did he know? Because we've been stuffing up since Adam. Right? And so he says, listen, it's okay. I paid for that. You see, when you start to see yourself as blessed, when it just doesn't have the same effect when you have got Lightning McQueen pointing, does it? When you start to see,
0: when
1: you start to see yourself as blessed, it'll start to change how you act because you don't see yourself as a sinner; you see yourself as a son, and a daughter of God. Let's go through Romans chapter eight and let's point that out. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, "There is therefore now when, now. when's that?" When does now stop? No. Now never stops. It's always now. Did you work that out? It's always now. I mean, I could smack Shara across the head. It's still now. Right?
0: All
1: <laughs> right. But there is now. No. Right? There are two words. Yes, no. Yes means it happens. No means not at all. Right? And we teach our kids that. You know, Isaac's been, for the last hour, I want to take my jumper off, I want to take my jumper off. No, 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 smack bottom. Right? And smack bottom says, this is a no. There is no change to so this no. And he got it. Right? He's quite happy, yep. still wearing his jumper. That's how God is. When he says no, it's no. But when does he say no? He says like, there is now no condemnation. He doesn't say no blessing. He says no condemnation. See, he's good. So there is now, which is always the moment you're in, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anyone here in Christ Jesus? You have no condemnation. Therefore, you're under the blessing. Woo <laughs> It says you don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit.
0: Oh, what you mean? No, no,
1: no, no. See, why do we do that? We go looking for the conditions. Where's the small pine tree? Walk according to the flesh. Oh, I walk according to the flesh. You can't walk according to the flesh. You know how I know you can't walk according to the flesh? Because Christ Jesus is within you. And if Christ Jesus is within you, you can't walk according to the flesh. Your flesh might rise up occasionally and you've got to give it a beating.
0: (laughs) You beat it with the word of God, by the way.
1: You beat, the word of, you beat your flesh by saying things like, flesh, you get in line with the word of God because I don't walk according to the flesh, I walk according to Christ Jesus. Yeah. And his word, and his word says, I am blessed, and I am holy, and I am righteous, and I am without sin. So I confess my sin, oh, look, it's
0: gone. I sat down this week, because, you know, occasionally you say the wrong thing in life. Okay, I do it more than occasionally, but, you know. <laughs>
1: But I said the wrong thing and I'm sitting in my bed and I went, oh God, I did it again. He said, what would you do again? I said, oh, I said the wrong thing and I wasn't being gracious and loving. He said, I've only got a record of one. That's what he said to me. He said, I've only got a record of one, it just happened. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. He says, now I've got none. That's what he said to me. I mean, God's got a sense of humor. But that's what he said. I've seen they go on, wow. Like it was that quick. So I can't say, oh, I'm walking according court in the flesh, said the wrong thing. Because God's going, what are you talking about? All I see is Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation. So therefore, I'm under the blessing. Isn't that so cool? You can't get out of the blessing unless you choose to reject to
0: receive it, which is about 90% of the church, sadly.
1: I don't know why. Why do we want to do that? Why do we want to beat ourselves up? That's not humility. (laughs) I had some guy try to convince me that humility is is asking God for something and humility is accepting his answer. And I said, what do you mean? We're talking about healing. He said, it's like when you ask God for healing and humility is accepting whether he says you are healed or not. And I said, that is a lie.
0: He was a lecturer at Bible college. In the middle of a tutorial.
1: He said, what do you mean? And I said, will you show me in there where it says that God won't heal me? In fact, it tells me to boldly approach the throne of grace. And it says that by the stripes of Jesus I've already been healed. So he can't deny me healing because he's already given it. I've got an A. He didn't agree with me. But I changed the minds about five other people in class. I said, I don't know what I believe about healing anymore. I used to believe what he believed, but now I'm not so sure. I'm going, hallelujah, because the word sets you free, doesn't it? Because the word is full of blessing, and God is full of blessing, and his covenant agreement that he cannot get out of. He can't get out of it. He has signed it with the blood of Jesus Christ is that you are blessed when you walk in and blessed when you walk out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. Your children are blessed. And the blessings of Abraham, which are surmountable, are all yours. Because you are totally without sin. Because God's got no record of your sin. All he's got a record of is the blessings of Jesus on your life. I've got another verse for you. Hold on. Why you preach from a tablet? Romans 8, further down, <laughs> verse 15.
0: <coughs> oh, I love this bit, I love this bit. Last bit, last bit. How are we going for time? Does anyone care? Sorry? Oh, I've got plenty of time. Cool.
1: Romans 8, further down, verse 15. Verse 14. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If you're a female, just say daughters,
0: all right? It's not a gender specific statement. It's child of God. But that sounds really impersonal. That's why we say sons of God. Because it's a personal thing. Right? right? So this verse 15. Get this. For you did
1: not receive the gift of bondage. Let me tell you. Have you ever been sick? Anyone ever been sick? Does it feel like you're in bondage? Anyone ever owed any money? Does it feel like you're in bondage? Anybody go to work? And things just weren't going your way, and you got no way out. Anyone ever felt like that and felt like you're in bondage? Yeah. All right. Where are they found? Blessings, curses. They're in the curses, which are no longer a part of us. This is good stuff. I'm telling you. I'm preaching myself happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. For you'd not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. When you were sick, were you fearful? When you owed money, were you fearful? When there was questions about your work, were you fearful? He didn't give you that! Do you know fear is a sin?
0: It's another sermon.
1: <laughs> but if you go to, go to Revelation, it says the whoremongers, the idolaters, and the fearful burn in hell. It's up there with being a whore, or an idolater, and a murderer. Mm-hmm. Why would you be afraid? You're under the blessing. What are you worried about? All the stuff you're afraid of, that's just cursy stuff.
0: All right, where are we? So you didn't receive the bondage again to fear. You didn't receive the curses.
1: But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, as in Daddy, Father. Now, who's Paul writing to? The Romans. That's significant. Hugely significant. Let me tell you something about the Romans. This is really cool. If you were a Roman, right, if you adopted somebody, they, there was absolutely no distinction at all between that person adopted and your own child. Just like today. But there was no distinction in that time. In fact, it was against the law to have a distinction. Right? It was against the law. So your adopted child had to have the full rights as an heir as what any other child you had in your family, or if you had no child. Just like today, all right? And there was no legal room whatsoever for that to be challenged. Paul's right with the Romans. They think like this. He says to them, what? He says, you're an heir, you're a child of God. He says, the spirit Himself bears witness in verse 16, with our spirit that we are children of God. (coughs) So you're a child of God. Therefore, think in human terms. If you are my child, you have the right to all of my stuff, right? If you're a child of God, you got the right to all his stuff. It gets better. Because we think,
0: oh, but no, there's no,
1: oh, but. And just to make sure, he says, and if your children, basically children of God, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, in other words, would God deny Jesus anything? If Jesus was sitting right here and he said, I need some gold paving bricks to pave my drive, would God give it to him? God would give it to you. Exactly the same. If God if Jesus was sitting here and he owed a million dollars on his home and he asked God for the money. To pay off that debt. Would God give it to him?
0: Come on. Would
1: God give it to him?
0: Yeah. you doubt that?
1: You have that same right. You are a joint heir with Jesus. Every right that Jesus has, you have. Get your head around that. Every right that Jesus had. This is why Jesus said, all these miracles I do, he says, you're going to go and do more. Because he's only them for three years. We get to do them for our whole lifetime.
0: I don't feel like you believe me.
1: Is that too much to swallow? Is this just messing with your head? Do you need another drink? Because he says, if indeed we suffer with him, anyone suffered? We may also be glorified together. In other words, God is glorified by you being blessed. God is glorified when you prosper. He doesn't put a dollar figure on that because prosperity is a different thing for every person. Let me give an example. Because someone said to me, Oh, well, that's all right in Western culture, but what about someone in the middle of Ethiopia where they've had drought for seven years?
0: Well, there is a village in the middle of Ethiopia, and they all got saved. And they'd had a drought for five years. Sorry, it's not seven, I know, not spiritual enough. And
1: this town got saved, they got together, praying together, and the leaders of the thing just felt God saying, Look, you go, and they got this message that God wants to bless them. So they went out to their dam which catches all the water. By this time it had massive holes in it and cracks in it because, you know, it had all just thing. And they repaired the dam so it would hold water again. And then they went out in their fields and they actually tilled the fields and got them ready for planting as best they could without any water. And they took God at his word and said, God, you are the God of blessing. You said in 1 John that you want to prosper us and for us to be in health. Well, we need water to do that. It rained. It Got full. They planted their seed and they brought in a full harvest of wheat while every other village and province around them was still in drought. It
0: only rained
1: on that area.
0: Don't tell me it don't work all around the world.
1: So guess what that village does? It takes its harvest, it brings it in, and it goes and ministers into the village next to it. It says, hey, we've got water and food. We'd like to come and share it with you. By the way, let me tell you about Jesus. And that village gets saved. It got to the point where the villagers all around them got saved and they're bringing in this harvest all around. And it wasn't like they were waiting six months until the harvest. They were bringing in harvest in half the time to what it normally takes to grow. And they're ministering all around them. That's prosperity. God wants to bless you because when he blesses you, then you don't spend all your time worrying and praying about your money and about your sickness and about your relationships, but you actually take your money and your health and you go and use your relationships to get people saved. I have an aim to pay off somebody's mortgage, not the last thousand dollars, to write a check out for like half a million bucks.
0: I'll take that if that's what it takes.
1: But that's my aim. My aim is to be so prosperous that I can walk up to somebody who's struggling and about to lose their house and say, let me pay a your mortgage. By the way, do you know Jesus? I've given away two cars already. I gave my first car away. My annual income that year was $13,000. See, it's time to stop living by our income because that's a curse. You know, I'm on a fixed income. Well, unfix it. And this takes me to a whole new sermon which I don't have time to preach about the words that we speak and the things that we say. But let's just start with the way we think for this week, shall we? What's your thinking like? Are you still thinking you're condemned? Because God's got no record of your sin. Ask Him. Go on, ask Him what He's got on you.
0: What He's got is a list of blessings that He's already given you but you haven't taken.
1: Because you're His child. I mean, do you want the best for your child? Chara's sitting over here going, you want the best for me, you want to give me your car? You thought that, didn't you? I could feel it. And you know what? As a father, I actually don't want to give her my car. I want to give her a better one. Let's agree on that, you and me. Let's agree in prayer right now. Come, stand up for everyone else. You going to agree with us? We're going to agree in prayer in the name of Jesus. That God will bless me
0: so much that I can bless you with a better car. Amen. Amen.
1: Yes. 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 Woo.
0: <laughs> Only conditions? you've got to tell everyone how you got it. That okay. Jesus gave it to you. Deal? Yep. Cool. Oh, yeah.
1: See, I want that for my daughter. And let me tell you, I've got failings. Don't believe me? Ask my family. <laughs> God may have no record, but I'm sure they've got a couple. But that's God's plan. If I want that much
0: for my daughter, but I want to find a way of doing it,
1: how much more does God, who's good? Because he says we're evil compared to him. He says, you being evil, as in the
0: people that follow him, you
1: know, want good things for your children, how much more does God want to bless us? We've got to change how we think and allow him. What if Shara says, oh, I'm not worthy of a car. You know, just, just, give, me, just give me a bike with broken wheels and I'll have it, you know. In fact, you know what, just give me a bike without wheels and I'll push it. Because I deserve to suffer and, you know, I'm not good enough for you to, to bless me. What would you think of Shara? You'd think, gee, you're stupid. Take the keys. You know what I mean? And so I made a decision that there's got to be enough blessings up there that God just wants to pour them out. And if other people don't want theirs, I'll take them. But I think I'm going to be struggling to handle what he's got for me. Because God has good stuff for us. This is straight word of God. question is, what are you going to do with it when you walk out of here? Because Jesus gives this parable of the seed. He says, and it sows, some of it lands on the side of the path, and the birds come and eat it, and it's gone straight away. He says, and other stuff gets choked out by the world. And stuff gets choked out by people and circumstances. And then there's the one that goes
0: in good soil and actually grows up. What are you going to do with the word when you walk out of here? Are you going to walk out of here and go... But Satan says, no, you're not good enough. He's not talking about you. He doesn't know what you did. You know what? Neither does Jesus. He doesn't know what you did. He's got no record. I asked him, what'd they do? <laughs> he said, as much as you.
1: <laughs> and I got nothing. He said, blessing. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to walk out here and let Satan steal your seed? When you get that note saying you owe this money or you have to pay this or you have to do that or you start to sneeze and he tries to steal away your blessing, you go, no, no, I'm sorry, but I'm under the blessing. You've
0: got to be that good soil. Let that seed grow. It doesn't
1: mean when you walk out of here tomorrow there's a million bucks in your bank account.
0: But it does mean that promotion will come your way. That new opportunities will come your way. That God will start to make a way through. That according to your faith, it'll be done to you. So meditate on the good stuff. Read Deuteronomy 28. Read it through.
1: Pray it over your life. Change it. You know, you will change it to me. Say, I do it, I do it every morning. I say, I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. I have the mind of Christ. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm so wealthy, I can lend to other nations without it worrying me. My fridge is so blessed it overflows with food. My pantry is so blessed it overflows with food. I've always got enough to eat. My investments and and, and my bank accounts, they're overflowing with money. So much money going into them, the bank doesn't know what to do with it. God's got this abundant blessing schedule for us. But we've got to change how we think and understand that that
0: old covenant... Gone. God was still good then. He's so good, he changed the rules. And he ripped the curses out of the Bible and gave it back with just the blessings. God is good. And you know what? He's good all the time. In fact, he's good now. And he's always good now. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and your blessing on our lives. That you are good all the time. That there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in you. We just confess our sin to you right now and ask you to forgive us, wash it out of our lives. We don't want that anymore. Thank you that we are heirs, sons and daughters of the almighty God, living under your blessing. So we receive your blessing. Father, where there is debt, we speak to that debt right now in the name of Jesus. We throw the word of God at you that says that we are so wealthy we have no debt that we lend to other people because they need it, but we do not borrow. So we make a decision to not be borrowers, but to be givers, living under your blessing.
1: Father, I thank you you said that whatever we put our hand to prospers. So Father,
0: I pray as we go out this week into our workplace and into our unis and into all the places that we go to, Father, that everything we do will prosper and be successful. Because your word says it has to. That you will give us favour. That Father, when those opponents who have been coming at us, Lord, they have to flee seven ways. That we have favour with all that we meet and in all that we do. That we will be envied by others because of your presence in our lives. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.